Pastor Xavier Reese exposes the simple truths and damaging consequences of moral impurity. One girl asked, why do boys tell so much? He said all these beautiful things and look what happened. He's telling all of his friends, I'm embarrassed. The reason is that guys are collectors of objects and they've always got to top another story of another guy. Plus, if he's conquered you ladies, he doesn't see any reason to respect you. Understand that. That's the reality of it. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. When it comes to defending the rampant immorality of our day, the biblical perspective for sex and marriage is often disregarded as too outdated and what you do with your own body doesn't hurt anyone. Well, Pastor Xavier turns to the fourth chapter of 1 Thessalonians to illustrate why such worldly thinking is wrong on both of these counts. We'll hear the reasons why God's timing really is best and about the resulting damage when scriptural principles are violated. It's all in today's conclusion of the Simple Truth study titled, So Are You a Virgin? Let's listen. Let me give to you what the Bible says about virgins and fornication. Listen to the Bible. Listen well. A virgin cares about the things of the Lord, and how she may be holy in body and in spirit. 1 Corinthians 7.25 says, If you're single, if you're a virgin, your desire is to please God and to be seeking the Lord, not a husband or a wife. You follow the Lord, and God will take care of it within time. A teen from T.C. Williams High School in Alexandria, Virginia says of some of her friends, quote, I get upset when I see friends losing their virginity to some guy they've just met. Later, after the guys dump them, they come to me and say, I wish I hadn't done it. In the true physical sense, there is only one first time. And unless a person has a memory loss or is highly intoxicated, it will be an indelible stamp in your mind and your memory. What a joy it is to be able to share that first time with full commitment for life with that person you marry, as God has designed you. Within a marriage, a holy and permanent commitment to one another is to come about. The act of making love is a physical expression of one's Oneness. The first time is an especially holy act. When you give yourself to each other. If you give yourself outside of marriage, you create a void. Feelings of having lost something. These painful emotional feelings cause a drift sometimes in relationships and fear and insecurities. The distance creates suspicion, anger, even hate. Feelings that cannot be dealt with. See, everything cognitively we can handle. We can assess it. But when you're involved in it emotionally, it devastates you. Intellectually is one thing. Emotionally is a whole different ball game. There is no possibility of having sexual intercourse without meshing a part of your non-physical self. Sex is such a definite experience that a part of each of you remains forever part of the other. How many times you and how casual you are willing to invest a portion of your total self and accept such an investment from another person with no assurance that the investment is for keeps is really your choice every time. 
Ladies, you hold the bag all the time. Okay? God has made you in a very special, incredible way for your husband, for your children and your home. You're not a plaything. Women in the study felt exploited during their first sexual experience. Emotional damage is a result of premarital sex that nearly everyone can count on, this person says. Since an act of such spiritual intensity, an act of so expressly forbidden by God, entails rejecting the established spiritual order of things. It flies in the face of what is beneficial for us. When this emotional damage goes unchecked, the problem could last for life. Look at our society. People jump in and out of bed in relationships like changing shirts. You will remember you're giving up your virginity as a sweet celebration that honors you and your maid or a bitter regret experienced to humble you and defile you. There's no other choice. It's one or the other. The greater destruction and damage is to the woman. Notice I said the greater. Both men and women are affected, but in different ways. One element is almost guaranteed to be part of one's sexual relationship outside of marriage. Unequal levels of commitment by each partner. This can be particularly devastating emotionally for women and girls. As one researcher reports, quote, Sexual intercourse has a psychological binding effect, particularly for females. The act itself increases the feeling of closeness. A single woman warns that, quote, if you have sexual relationship before marriage, you are involved with someone else's spouse-to-be, and what if you think you will marry this person? Does that make it right? No. No matter how much your spouse loves you, we are all human, and lurking behind the mind of every person, if there has not been true and complete honesty, is, I wonder how many there were, what went on. Let me tell you, if you're a Christian, you make sure that you're honorable before you get married. Don't be a rat. Don't be dishonest and drop a bombshell after you get married. Okay? You be honest. You lay your cards on the table. If that person doesn't want you, that's the best place to find out. But don't be dishonorable and enter in. You don't know what that person's going to respond. What's going to happen? How dare people do that? It's dishonest. Now, the man's point of view, once again... It's so much different. This is the man's point of view, ladies, regarding your virginity. You will be promised much, but when all is said and done and finished, you will be dropped off at home, not to be seen again. If he does continue to see you, he's not going to settle for anything less than sex every time. If you say no, there's nothing to hold him any longer. He's off to a new conquest. He humbled you, he scored. And he can't wait to tell his friends and brag how subtly he did it and what a Casanova he was. Ladies, don't let men fool you. Men love purity. And if they don't care about your purity, it's because they don't plan on marrying you. It's that simple. One girl asked, why do boys tell so much? He said all these beautiful things and look what happened. He's telling all of his friends, I'm embarrassed. The reason is that 
guys are collectors of objects. And they've always got to top another story or another guy. And plus, if he's conquered you, ladies, remember, the Bible says that you're defiled, you're humble, you played the whore in your father's house. So because you have not respected yourself, he doesn't see any reason to respect you. And he sees you as damaged goods. Understand that. That's the reality of it. You know, there's a sad verse in the Bible. Remember um, Amnon, the son of David. He was love. He's in love with his sister Tamar. And his cousin said, listen, I got a plan. Have her, your father sent her to bring you food. Tell her, make you believe you're sick. And then when she comes in, take her and lay with her. And he was so adamant about how much he loved her and everything else. Listen to the final fact after he raped her and defiled her. The hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he loved her. The intensity that a guy tells you that he loves you, he will hate you with the same intensity after the fact. It's just the way it is. Nothing will hinder your relationship with Christ and your communication and your growth than that. It severs communication. Now notice thirdly, the believer is to recognize and respect sexual boundaries. So here's the precautions, verse 6. First, the apostle says that the will of God is that no one should take advantage of his brother in this matter of sexual purity. The word advantage, as you know, means to go beyond the bounds, to step over to the limit, to overreach. The word matter, some think it refers to a business practice and that he's commanding both sexual prohibition and uh, dishonest commercial practice. No, it isn't. It's the same thing. He's talking about not going beyond those boundaries in the sexual relationship as male and female, whether you're single or you're married. Notice also, secondly, the apostle says that the will of God is that no one should defraud his brother in sexual matters. So now he hits it from the other end. And the word defraud means to keep, uh, not to keep covetous, to make a gain of another, to exploit someone. The entire motivation is for what? Benefit of self-gain. When someone uses their familiarity and friendship to gain sexual favor or advances from another Christian, be they single or married, they are overstepping their boundaries regarding God and the design of marriage by deceptive plotting whereby they're robbing someone other than that person alone. They're robbing the mate or the future mate plus that person. Very, very important. You must say no. In the Song of Solomon, the bride says, I found, my husband found peace with me. Peace in his eyes because of who she was. She had waited. Very important. Notice thirdly here. The apostle says that the will of God reveals that he will avenge all such individuals. In other words, no one's going to get away with it. You know, there are guys who just go in church from church to church and they're trying to score on all kinds of ladies. And that's their whole thing. They go fishing in the church. And there's ladies today the same way. I warn you, God is going to get you. God will get you. And maybe someone else before God too. So, um, notice God is Lord of all. Lord is creator of the unbeliever. We are creating the image of God, Genesis 127 says. So whether you bowed your knee to Christ or not, you're still responsible to your creator. 
Lord and Savior of the believer because we've been redeemed. You're under greater responsibility. He's talking to the Christians. He's talking to the Thessalonians. Now you're in Christ. You better not be messing here, he says. God is the avenger of all, he says. And the word avenge is made up of two words. Ek, out from, and dikos, which means justice. So the word means that God will bring out justice to all such individuals. You may get away with it here, you think, but you're going to have to face God and he's going to nail you. I guarantee you. Study the Proverbs, what it says about sexual sin and the fool that gets involved in that. Particularly the adulterer. The word implies he is all-knowing. There is nothing hidden in darkness. And he will judge the motive of the heart. 1 Corinthians 4, 5. God cannot be partial. His judgment will be absolutely righteous. He cannot prefer one above another. And when he brings judgment, it is not vengeance like you and I that go beyond it. The law said eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Why? Because we, God knew that if someone knocks one of my teeth out, I want to knock ten out. He says, it's a limitation on your evilness. When God judges, it's not vengeance. It's righteous judgment. You get just what you deserve. Romans 12, 19 through 21 and Deuteronomy 32, 5 gives you that. Vengeance belongs to me, says the Lord. I will recompense. God is the one who will judge every person who is guilty of sexual sin. Those who do not abstain from sexual sin, in verse 3. Those who are not spirit controlled, in verse 4. And those who take advantage and defraud their brother. Christians, verse 6. Okay? So don't think we're talking to pagans. We're talking to Christians, okay? They will give an account on him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. First Peter 4, 5 says. God can directly intervene in your life. He shows us Ananias and Sapphira, Acts 5, verse 5 through 10. He killed them for lying. 1 Corinthians eleven three, he killed them. He made them sick for partaking of the Lord's table deceptively and wrong. God can allow natural consequences to serve as justice for now, before judgment. Romans chapter 1, verse 24 to 32 is very, very clear. Galatians uh, uh, 6, 7 through 8 says, God will not be mocked. Whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. You sow to the flesh, you reap corruption. You sow to the spirit, you reap everlasting life. Now you want to challenge that? Go for it. Like Dirty Harry says, make my day. <laughs> God wants the best for you. You remember David? David did not recognize or respect the boundaries of sexuality and he took Uriah's wife, laid with her, to try to cover up the pregnancy. God judged them. And then he allowed the natural consequences of that sin to judge him for the rest of his life. You study the life of David, David was never the same. David was a broken man. David had a house of, of same kind of sin, murder, sexual rape, everything else. He was a miserable man. God has set the boundaries and expects us to obey without giving all kinds of reasons and consequences. Though there are plenty that he gives us and there are plenty that we can learn from in our society. A study on mechanics of sex noted a similarity in muscle contractions before childbirth. It was found that when a woman goes into labor, the muscle contraction triggers a nurturing instinct in the mother. They didn't say whether it was chemical or neurological that makes her want to protect love, and nurture whatever passes through the birth canal. They concluded this was insurance for the survival of the species because, for example, if a woman had been raised out in the woods and had no knowledge of what was happening to her body as she was carrying the child for nine months, 
her reaction would be either to relieve or anger at delivering this child who had caused her so much pain and discomfort. And rather than cuddling it, she'd punch it out when it came out. Without the nurturing instinct associated with the birth canal, she would have no desire to care for the noisy pink thing that had hurt her. The instinct overrides logic and feelings and is put there to ensure that a woman doesn't leave her baby in the woods somewhere. Now, look at our society. Children are being dumped off, flushed down toilets, everything. No natural affection, no family love is one of the chief characteristics of the last days, people. The study went on to point out that similarly, when a woman has relationship with a man, the sex act and or- orgasm cause those same muscles to contract. With the contractions, the same instinct is triggered to love, nurture, whatever passes through the opening, which in this case is a man, not a baby. Therefore, a woman's feelings often run deeper than the man's in sexual affairs because a deeper set of feelings are tapped, feelings that go beyond the merely emotional and intellectual. So that study concludes, once those feelings are activated, it becomes all the more devastating if the relationship ends. If a woman's primal instinct to love and nurture are triggered every time she engages in sex, then conversely, every time such relationship ends, she must reprogram herself to ignore those deep feelings of longing for the man, the object of those reactions that move on to someone else. This is more than just a breaking of a habit. It involves playing with biology and deep primal urges. For a woman who has had, say, 10 affairs over a five-year period, that's 10 times she has to train herself to ignore those nurturing instincts for the previous man in her life. If God designed these strong built-in feelings to be the glue that holds together marriage and family, then each affair, each lesson in negating these feelings weakens them and the bonding power of marital and family emotions. The result is obvious in view of divorce related in our culture. After all, how is the body supposed to know after being conditioned to reject feelings of attachment that this is the real thing? When a person destroys over a period of years the glue intended to bond her and someone, what is left to hold a relationship together once the glue of the honeymoon fades? Kind of scary, isn't it? By the same token, this can be seen in the effects of the family. If the nurturing instincts were meant to bind a mother and her child, yet through a series of premarital sexual affairs, she has destroyed the power of the feelings. It will affect her ability to nurture her children as well. Do you see how gracious God is to save us and make us new? That if we don't have Christ, we are devastated? To ignore all these facts I'm giving you. And for you to say, well, but God will forgive me. And he will work all things out is to tempt God. And I warn you, virgins, it's not a light matter. The forgiveness is not the problem, for God is willing to forgive you. The problem is, will you yield to the grace of God to live with the consequences that may drag you down and be heavy? That's the problem. The regrets of crossing these boundaries are many. Let me just give you some. Some letters written are as follows. The thing I regret most in my life would have to be losing my virginity. I listened to my friend's advice and I made the worst decision of my life. 
Why was I so stupid? I regret my entire relationship with the boy. It will always be on my mind. It is still hard for me to believe how just one night could affect my life so greatly. Some of the fears after crossing those lines. Will I run into them with my husband or wife later on? Always afraid. Some letters are written. They say this. First, from a girl. Ever since Stacy's glorious wedding, I saw what I could never be, a virgin. I hate the feeling. Lately, I could just cry all day. It is so depressing that because I had to be so stupid of a freshman, I lost my little treasure chest. Secondly, from a young man, a freshman in college, what could possibly be the best gift you could give to your future wife or husband? It would be to be that guy or girl on their honeymoon. I have never been touched before. No other man or woman has ever had this gift I'm about to give to you. Your reward will not only come from God, but from the joy of your mate and their eyes and their heart. And know that they are the only person who they've ever known with nothing to hide, with no shame. The believers to recognize and request and respect those sexual boundaries. Heavy stuff, isn't it? When Minister Joe Wright was asked to open the new session of the Kansas Senate, everyone was expecting the usual general allergies, but uh, this is what they heard. Listen. Heavenly Father, we come before you today to ask your forgiveness and to seek your direction and guidance. We know your word says, Woe unto those who call evil good, but that is exactly what we have done. We have lost our spiritual equilibrium and reversed our values. We confess that. We have ridiculed the absolute truth of your word and called it pluralism. We have worshipped other gods and called it multiculturalism. We have endorsed perversion and called it an alternate lifestyle. We have exploited the poor and called it lottery. We have rewarded laziness and called it welfare. We have killed our unborn and called it choice. We have shot abortionists and called it justifiable. We have neglected to discipline our children and called it building self-esteem. We have abused power and called it politics. And we have coveted our neighbor's possession and called it ambition. We have polluted the air with profanity and pornography and called it freedom of expression. We have ridiculed the time-honored values of our forefathers and called it enlightenment. Search us, O God. Know our hearts today. Cleanse us from every sin and set us free. Guide and bless these men and women who have been sent to direct us to the center of your will. I ask it in the name of your Son, the living Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, not, not to say anything, they were devastated. The response was immediate. The members of legislators walked out during the prayer in protest. In six short weeks, Central Christian Church with Reverend Wright, the pastor, logged more than 5,000 phone calls within 47 of these only being negative. People, I hope you live in reality. If you're a virgin, you're going to blow your mind on your honeymoon night. If you've blown it, God's grace is sufficient. But if you haven't, man, hang on. God will bless you so well. You'll blow your mind. 
Pastor Xavier Reese with a powerful close of encouragement to this very crucial message titled, So Are You a Virgin? And you can get a CD copy of your own of today's study for only $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So if you have any unmarried friends who might be struggling with sexual purity, perhaps this message is just what they might need to strengthen their resolve to stay morally pure. Once again, the title to ask for is, So Are You a Virgin? Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. Be sure you join us next time for more Simple Truths as we continue our study of the book of 1 Thessalonians, right here with our teacher, Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com